Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Welcome, everyone here. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. My name is Rick Thompson. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, privileged teaching pastors. Today, we we begin a brand new series as we're entering into that month, simply called Give Thanks. Give Thanks. Based on two scriptures, really, there's a lot that I could have pulled from. Let's just make sure everyone has an outline. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Let's get one to you. But it's based on two scriptures. Um, Ephesians 5.20, the Apostle Paul says, and give thanks for, help me out, somebody. Everything to God the Father, in the name of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. You think everything means everything? Yeah. Everything means everything. Good things, does it mean good things? Yeah. Does it mean bad things? Yeah. Come on, some, somebody. And then it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks, help me. What does that say? In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Listen, the story is told of two old friends who bumped into one another on the street one day. One of them looked upset, almost on the verge of tears. So his friend asked, well, what, what has the world done to you, my old friend? The sad fellow said, well, let me tell you. Three weeks ago, an uncle died and left me $40,000. Well, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but two weeks ago, a cousin I never even knew died, and he left me 85000 free and clear. Notwithstanding your cousin dying, but that sounds like you've been blessed. You don't understand, he interrupted. Last week, my great aunt passed away, and I inherited almost a quarter of a million. And now he's really confused. And why do you look so sad? This week, nothing. Today, I want to talk to you about maintaining an attitude of gratitude because gratitude really is a choice. And I'm convinced that gratitude is one of the main keys to a happy life. The author, Dennis Prager, he wrote that happiness is a serious problem, and then he tells us why. He says, there's a secret to happiness, and it's called gratitude. All happy people are grateful, and ungrateful people cannot be happy. Now, we think that that it's being unhappy that leads people to complain, but it's truer to say that it's complaining that leads to people becoming unhappy. In other words, if you learn to become a grateful person, you'll become a much happier person. Can I get a witness out there? Come on, somebody. And, and too many times we think that it's things that are going to bring us happiness. If I could just get more stuff, the car I want or the, or, or the clothes that I want or the, the right hairstyle or whatever, more stuff. But the truth of the matter is I have personally met happy and grumpy people who were poor, <laughs> and I've met happy and grumpy people who were well off. So things aren't always the answer, especially when you don't just have things, things have you. Come on, somebody. Now, the difference between happy and grumpy people it isn't things. It's if they are grateful with what they have. Amen? If you are satisfied with what God has given you. 
And so gratitude, I want you to write this down, gratitude begins with recognizing the good. The good. All of us have bad things happening, but it begins with recognizing the good. In her book, The Hiding Place, Corey Tinboom relates an incident that taught her to be thankful for things we normally wouldn't be thankful for. She and her sister, Betsy, this is them, they became prisoners of the Nazis because they were, they were compassionate Dutch Christians who practiced what they preached, and they helped harbor the Jews from the Nazis in Holland during World War II. And so consequently, they got arrested, and they were transferred to the, to the worst prison camp at the time. They called it Ravensbrück. And so she, she says, upon entering the barracks, they found them extremely overcrowded, and there was a problem. The barracks were infested with fleas. This was a picture of them. It was infested with fleas. And the scripture reading from the smuggled Bible that morning was 1 Thessalonians 5. We just read and it reminded them to rejoice always, pray constantly, and to give thanks in all circumstances. So Betsy took that literally and she told Corey to stop complaining and start thanking the Lord for every detail of their new living quarters. They're in a concentration camp when they're reading the scripture. Keep that in mind. But Corey at first flatly refused to give thanks, especially for the fleas. But Betsy persisted, and Corey finally agreed to somehow thank God for even the fleas. And Corey says during the months spent at the camp, they were surprised to find how openly they could hold Bible studies and prayer meetings and their barrack without the guards' interference. And several months later, they found out that the guards wouldn't go in because the barracks were infested with fleas. Come on, somebody. You can thank God even for fleas. Now, listen to me. We can choose to be whiny over our circumstances, or we can choose to be grateful. Come on, somebody. And it's really a choice. Now, let me put that, let, let's put that scripture up there one more time. First Thessalonians, it says, be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, and then it finishes by saying, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Anybody want interested in God's will for them? Come on. So many people say they want God's will. How about we start here? We start with this scripture. He says, be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I, I don't necessarily agree with Corey's sister's interpretation concerning thanking God uh, for fleas. <laughs> I'd have a hard time doing that. But the scripture literally says to give thanks in all circumstances and not for all circumstances. There were people who take it literally and say, well, I had a tragedy and, and God brought this on me, God brought this cancer on me, or he brought this car accident on me, and I'm thankful to God for it. And I just find that dumb because I don't think God gives evil things in our lives. Come on, somebody. I thank God for delivering me from cancer, come on, and protecting me in a car accident and giving me the strength to endure all the things that are coming my way. So we can and should be thankful in all circumstances because it invites the presence of God to work on our behalf. Gratitude brings God near to us, listen to me, and grumbling pushes him away. And the reason is because you're focusing on the problem rather than the problem solver. Amen? 
Now, having said that, there are times that we can give thanks for seemingly bad situations that we've gone through, that we went through, if we see the good that comes from it. So in other words, when she realized that those, those fleas were keeping the, 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 the guards out and they were able to do the Bible study, well, God, thank you. Thank you for that circumstance as well. And sometimes a loss is a gain. Sometimes a step down is a step up. A letting go is, is a setting free. So we got to stop crying over the situations that in the moment it, it appears like it's a negative, but at the end of the day, God might be doing something. Stop crying over the man or woman who won't do right by you or the deadbeat dad. The Bible says God is a husband to the husbandless and a father to the fatherless. Amen? And God knows how to take care of his own. And so if, if, if someone can walk out on you, that's how I believe. I believe I'm a blessing to people. I just overall believe that. And so if they can look at you and, and walk out on you, let them go. Because God says, I will never leave you. Amen? Nor forsake you. He's our ever-present help in times of need. So if your daddy left you, that's fine. Hold your head up. You have a father in heaven who loves you and will never leave you. If, you. if your man walks out the door, let him go. Give thanks. God is your way maker. I'm talking to someone out there today. Now, I know it's difficult to give thanks for bad times while we're in the middle of it. The only way you can is to kind of develop that attitude of gratitude and to consciously start looking at your circumstances different. Listen, someone wrote, I am thankful for the taxes I pay because it means I'm employed. I'm thankful for the clothes that fit a little too snug. I put, I put a shirt on this morning. I had to take it off because it means I have enough to eat. Those sugar cookies were delicious, by the way. I'm just saying. I'm, th I'm thankful for the smoke alarms, especially during this time of year because it let us know when the turkey's done. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful that for a lawn that needs mowing and windows that need cleaning and gutters that need fixing because it means... I have a place to live. I'm thankful for the spot I find at the far end of the parking lot because it means I'm capable of walking. For the huge AC and heating bill because it means that my family is cool during the summer and warm during the winter. I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for all the complaining I hear about our government because it means that we have freedom of speech. You know, in some places you can't say nothing you end up M-I-A, missing in action. I'm thankful for the lady behind me in church who sings off key. Because <laughs> it means I can hear. The piles of laundry and ironing because it means my loved ones are nearby. The alarm that goes off in the early morning because it means I'm alive. We can find things to be thankful for. We can find things to be thankful for. Psalms 136 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Now listen to me. I have never met a backslidden thankful person. Someone who has a heart that is grateful for the things God has done. It's only when you start to complain and become critical that you start to fall away. 
The story is told of a man who found a barn where Satan kept his seeds ready to be sown in the human heart. And he found that the seeds of discouragement were more numerous than the others, and he learned those seeds could be made to grow almost anywhere. But when Satan was questioned, he reluctantly admitted that there was one place in which he could never get them to thrive. And where was that? Asked the man. And Satan replied, in the heart of a thankful person. 2006 was one of the first times that we went to Jamaica on a mission trip, took a small group with us, just a couple of guys, and we went to Faith Produced Miracle Ministry. That's where the Prophet Henry's church was. And I remember we gathered up supplies to bring, and when we were ministering there during the day and at night, we were preaching, and it was a great Jesus-filled week. But one of the life lessons that one of the guys who went with us that impacted him the most, he's, when we got there, there were four children at, the, at that uh, ministry site, that, at that church, Quasi, Mary, John, and Sushi. Four orphan children living at the church, abandoned by their parents, taken in. And they followed us wherever we went. And so we ended up giving them some of the toys that the church had, had gathered and provided for them. And, and one of the big impacts was that there was one toy. That, the fact that they didn't have any toys, they were all playing with this one truck that was about that big that looked like it had fallen into the fire. And so one of the guys said, can we trade you this new toy, this new car for that one? And they happily traded and then he took that car, he took that truck, and he brought it home to his kids as, as an object lesson to his family to show them, look, there's four children playing with this one burnt-out car. And, and in that moment, his, his, his son was moved with compassion and gathered all his toys. I call it more plastic things. Come on, somebody. And he, said, and he showed it to his father, and his, and his dad says, listen, I didn't show you this to get that response. I showed it to you so you can learn to be grateful for what you have. My question to you this morning is, are you grateful for the things you have? Or are you constantly looking at the things you don't? Gratitude begins with recognizing the good. But it doesn't stop there. It also recognizes the giver, the giver. Now, let me explain. For too many homes, we not only fall short on finding things to thank him for, but, but, but for too many homes, they don't even know who we're giving thanks to, especially during this time. Society is now rewriting history and teaching that Thanksgiving is about being thankful for the corn or the maize that the Indians gave the pilgrims. You remember? I remember when my kids went to the school and they had these little plays and some dressed up as, as Indians and some dressed up as pilgrims and then they wrapped it all up. They, they bowed and gave thanks to the Indians for the, for the thing, for the, you know, for the maize that was given to them. And I'm telling you, listen to me, that's not what Thanksgiving was put in place for. Thanksgiving was put in place because, because they had realized that God had given them safe passage to a new land and, and, and sustained their family. And as they came to this new land, as they were escaping, you know, religious persecution, they found provisions and loving hands. And when they gave thanks, they gave thanks to God, God the Father. And it was God the Father, not Mother Earth. Come on, somebody. It was God the Father that the pilgrims gave thanks to. 
And James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Folks, God has given us everything. Your resources is a gift from God. The food you eat is a gift from God. Your family and friends are gifts from God. Take a deep breath. The very breath in your lungs is a gift from God. And the moment he says, I'll take that back, there's nothing no one's going to be able to do. We owe our very existence to him. And if we take the gifts of God for granted and we start to whine and complain about them, we lose sight of the giver and our life becomes diminished. Gratitude recognizes the good and also recognizes the giver. But it doesn't stop there either. It lets the giver know how grateful they are. And I want you to write this down by speaking up, by letting him know. My wife, my wife may make a special meal of my favorite food one day and set the table real nice with flowers and candles and and I would recognize what she's done is good, and I, would, and, and, and I would recognize it that it's a gift. But let me tell you something. If I don't say anything and I just sit there feeling it and keeping it to myself, how many of you know that it's going to be a long time before she makes that effort again because she doesn't know how grateful I am for what she's done? So I got to let her know. Now, I've learned this over the years. Because when I verbalize, I like something like like early on, my wife would make a make make me a turkey sandwich, and she and I like my sandwiches with with the turkey and and one thing of cheese and mayonnaise on both sides, and then early on she would make those sandwiches with with you know the thing and she put mayonnaise and mustard on it, and I take it and I say, babe, you made it perfect for yourself. <laughs> I like mine with mayonnaise on both sides. And so eventually, after years, <laughs> my sandwiches would start coming with mayonnaise on both sides. And this is what I said, babe, you make the best turkey sandwiches ever. Thank you so much. And you know why I do that? Because I don't want to make my own sandwiches. <laughs> now, on the other hand, if I start complaining, if I don't say nothing about it, like the meatloaf, I don't miss the meatloaf, I'm just saying. <laughs> what is meatloaf? Meatloaf is a hamburger without the bread. I'm just saying. He said, meatloaf is the best. Listen, in the same way, in the same way that my wife, and even you, you don't want to be doing things and then nobody actually recognizes that you're doing things. And they're only pointing out the one thing you're not doing, right? Come on, somebody. In the same way, God wants to be recognized and he wants us to verbalize. That's part of what we do on Sunday morning is to give him thanks. In Luke chapter 17, we see it illustrated. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, it says, 10 men who had leprosy, met him. Now, understand this. Back in the day, there's no cure for leprosy. 
And if you got leprosy, it was a, a skin disease that literally parts of your body would fall off, right off. It could be your nose, your ear, your limbs. And the moment a spot showed up, it was required in law that you have now have to separate yourself from your family, your wife, your husband, your children. From that moment on, you are never going to hug them again. You couldn't even live in the, in the same village or whatever city they were in. You had to separate yourself. And if you were coming up upon people, you had to declare it or you'd get stoned. You had to say, unclean, unclean. Because if people saw a leper person coming and you came in and you didn't announce it, you would get stoned to death. You know why? Because no one wanted to get leprosy. And so they would form these leper villages or, or, or leper communities because people were getting it and now they're ostracized from their family and now they're forever living apart from their family. And these communities would come. So the Bible says in this situation, 10 of them came and they showed up. It says as he was going to another village, 10 men who had leprosy met him and they stood at a distance. And they're caught, they stand at a distance because they understand that they're not allowed to approach. They're not allowed to approach. And they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And the scripture says, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest, which was part of the requirement. If you got any type of healing, the, the priests were like the, were like the medical people at the time. It had to be confirmed that a sacrifice was going to be made, and then you could go back into the city. So he told them all, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, what happened? They were cleansed. And verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Understand, Jesus had just given his life back to him. The leprosy was all gone. As he stepped out in faith, as he went, the, the, the word of the Lord came to pass in his life, and he, he came back and threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he was thankful, and he was grateful. And listen to what Jesus said. He says, it says, verse 17, oh, 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. Verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Listen to me. What was it that got Jesus' attention that day was a simple, verbalized, heartfelt thank you, an attitude of gratitude. And only one came back to say thanks for what you've done. Psalms 92 says this, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name O Most High. David said, I will exalt you, my God, and give and king and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Come on, somebody. Let them proclaim your power. Has God done anything in your life? 
Tell it to your children. Tell it to your grandchildren. Give God the glory for what he's done in your life. He says, I will meditate on your majestic glory, splendor, and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers, and your faithful followers, and your faithful followers will praise you. And they will speak of the glory of your kingdom, and they will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and the glory of your reign. It sounds like David understood the assignment. Listen to me. We need to develop an attitude of gratitude, and it will change our lives. But the key is we can't meditate on our troubles We have to meditate on the works of God. Psalms 143 said it again. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. Now, how do you develop an attitude of gratitude? Stop focusing on everything going wrong. Focus on what God is doing right in your life and ask yourself, What are you thankful for? We've issued a Give Thanks Challenge. I've asked for videos. I still expect to see them. One-minute videos. I am thankful for. Send it to them. We'll give you the the number, and we'll show them. And we also have a Give Thanks tree in the back. Put right on there what you're thankful for and add it to the tree. We are not just going to thank God one day this month. We are going to thank him for this entire month and this entire year. And we're going to develop an attitude of gratitude moving forward because that is what captures the heart of God. Amen? Ask your family what you're thankful for. And keep asking because it's something that will grow into your whole life if you let it. And the light will shine in the darkness of your heart because the darkness cannot overcome it. Now, listen to me this morning. I'm going to conclude with a true story. I want you to listen. It's about a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion. So the doctor explained that she had the same disease the boy had recovered from two years earlier. Her only chance of recovery and survival was a transfusion from someone who had previously conquered the disease because they had the, the antibodies and everything that they needed. And since the two children had the same rare blood type, the boy was an ideal donor. So they asked him, would you give your blood to Mary? The doctor asked. And Johnny hesitated. His lower lip started to tremble. And then he smiled and he said, sure, for my sister. Soon the two children were wheeled into the hospital room. Mary, pale and thin, Johnny, robust and healthy. Neither spoke. But when their eyes met, Johnny grinned. And as the nurse inserted the needle into his arm, Johnny's smile, Johnny's smile faded and he watched, as he watched the blood flow through the tubes. And with the ordeal almost over, Johnny's voice, slightly shaky, broke the silence. Doctor, 
when do I die? And it's only then did the doctor realize why Johnny had hesitated, why his lip had trembled when he agreed to donate his blood. He thought giving his blood to his sister would mean giving up his life. And in that brief moment, he had made his decision, I'll do it for my sister. Listen to me. Jesus said, my command is this. Love each other just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Listen to me this morning. If you're having trouble finding things to be thankful for, I can give you one main one. Be thankful for what Christ has done for you. Be grateful every day that God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you believe in him, the Bible says you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. What this little boy was willing to do, Christ did for every single one of us because he loves us. And if he doesn't do one more thing for us, I've said it before, if he doesn't do one more thing for us, provide for paying your bills or providing a, you know, he is Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider. But if he does not do one more thing, he's done enough just by sending his son, Jesus. What are you focusing on? If you keep focusing on what's going wrong, who said what, who didn't do this, who whatever, I lost this, this person's walked out, you're going to be a miserable person. And you're going to lose touch with the fact that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And when you've got God, I say this with all humility, you've got all you need because he doesn't just do one thing for us. He provides for us, amen? He opens doors for us and he closes doors and he says, you can give thanks, I don't say for all circumstances, but you can certainly give thanks in all circumstances because he is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep and he knows how to provide for that which belongs to him. And as David says, I will declare the goodness of the God. Has God done anything good for you? I was just sharing yesterday at the picnic. When people asked me stories about how I went into the ministry or how this happened. It is my delight to share what God has done in my life. And that's what God expects. Tell people what God has done. Has he worked things out in your marriage? Let somebody know. Has he given you a healing? Tell, tell people. Has he delivered you from a, a sickness or a disease? Has he brought you through a difficult time? Can anyone say God has done nothing? No one can say that because the very breath in your lungs is a result of what God has done. Every good and perfect thing comes from the Father of life.
And he wants us, he wants us to be gracious. Gratitude recognizes the good. Doesn't just focus on the bad. It recognizes the good. It also recognizes the giver. And it never forgets to give thanks in all things. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Now, if you're here today and you've not yet received the gift that God has provided through His Son, Jesus Christ, it's not automatic. You have to ask. You have to humble yourself and say, I need Jesus in my life. I want Jesus in my life. When he said, the scripture says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, he doesn't say, I stand at the door and knock the door down. He will not force his way in on anyone. That's why I'm okay with just being the messenger. My job is basically telling, my pastor used to say, one beggar telling another beggar, where he found bread. My job is just to let you know that the Lord is good. <laughs> Amen? Taste and see that the Lord is good. But if you choose not to, that's not, I mean, all my job is to do is to point you to, to where you can get the bread, the same bread of life that I got. In fact, that's what he's called, the bread of life. But it's for you to say, I want that in my life. Understand what God has done. Do not, do not go through this life and neglect the greatest gift that you could have ever been given. Somebody put it this way, if you've met me and forget me, and even though I think, oh, I think I'm a nice guy, I think I'm a pretty good friend to have, but if you meet me and you forget me, you've lost nothing, nothing, not of eternal value. So, but if you meet Jesus and someone took the time, whether it's a friend or a family member or a loved one or even someone on the street, that God allowed you to turn on the radio and, that, and the preacher or whoever is talking about something that's hitting you right between the eye, that's the Holy Spirit drawing you. If you meet Jesus and you walk away from him, you have lost everything. Everything. You have aimed low, and you hit your target. The Bible calls us to look up because he, he is coming, and he's returning. Our redemption is drawing. So if you're here today and you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. If you're listening online, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes and say something like this from a from a gracious and gratitude-filled heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I admit that I've blown it in many areas. Forgive me, especially for those times when I've been negative and complaining and bitter and I've not recognized that everything I have comes from you. And the most important is you sending your son Jesus to die on the cross 
in place of my sins. You gave me, you gave me what I didn't deserve. You gave me grace. And so I thank you for the forgiveness provided through your son, Jesus. From this day on, from this day on, I commit my life to you. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit and fill me with an attitude of gratitude that I might give thanks for all that you're doing in my life. You said this is the will that you have for us. Help me to start walking that out in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or, or you recommitted your life to Jesus, just slip up your hand and say, Pastor Rick, that's me. I prayed. I prayed with you for the first time. I recommitted my life for the first time. If you're listening online, listen, I don't have to see you. You just slip up your hand and say, that's me as well. I prayed and recommitted my life as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let me just pray. And Father, I just thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord, again, that you would develop in us an attitude of gratitude that we would keep moving forward no matter what's going on because there are no backsliders that I know of who have a, a grateful heart towards you. A special blessing on everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.